Good morning, and welcome to Ronkle and the Mayor. You're listening live from Selwood, Portland, Oregon. <laughs> Selwood's my little neighborhood I live in. Um, it's a, over here in the southeast of Portland. It's actually older than the city of Portland, and like its namesake, uh, they sold wood here and uh, floated it down the river. That's yeah. so how Oregon's economy began, uh, with a massive timber industry. Anyway, uh, why don't we start things off here, a little neighborhood info uh the sherritt square cleanup went pretty well they do it's a little community intersection here in my neighborhood they, they've painted the intersection and there is a book kiosk and a children's corner a news kiosk and a tea station and they recently just did some cleanup of the surrounding foliage and plants it gets kind of muddy and you know, everything's uh, dead this time of year or dormant because of winter also, the tea station has been well-staffed and stocked. That was a point of uh, contention. <laughs> uh, the, the woman that actually tends to it wanted to take the winter off. She's an older, an older woman. She didn't know if anybody would be drinking tea at the tea station. And um, I'm on an email tree, so a lot of the neighbors stepped up and said they wanted to be involved in it. And they wanted to uh, take days to be responsible for the tea station so they sorted that all out and uh, as i head up there during the day i noticed there are tons of cookies and treats now there never used to be or rarely and including some gift cards like to local restaurants and stuff it's it's uh, been uh, interesting seeing how the the new people involved are sort of pumped to provide the tea um, but i do recommend if you're ever in selwood coming over to share it square and checking it out um, it's uh, it's worth seeing. It's fun, and uh, you might even learn something. Let's see what else is happening here in Selwood. Well, my my favorite bar changed hands. My favorite pub. It's called the Selwood Public House, and you know not all my favorite people work there anymore. And it just isn't the same. So so I don't go, which has been sort of a you know that sort of gave my social scene a hit. <laughs> I, I tend to stick to myself or to my core group of people. So I was enjoying just seeing the random folks at the bar, some of the other neighborhood regulars, um, just fun stuff like that. And so once that went away, that was too bad. And my, my friend also operated another restaurant, but decided to take some time off. So so I'm kind of I'm kind of a free agent right now, looking for a neighborhood place to hang out. Um, you know, it's not that difficult. I can find enjoyment at any place. It just uh, was one of those places that you know you you felt comfortable in. Uh, it reminded me of a place when I growing up in Medford. Uh, there was a a restaurant, a, a place called Deli Down. They made great sandwiches and they had a great pasta bar, and. Uh, I would go every Friday and get clam chowder. It was just some of the best clam chowder ever. And they didn't serve beer there per se, but I loved hanging out there. And it was the same sort of feel as the Selwood Public House had. And so I'll be in search of that again. Uh, I I kind of have always wanted to have a place that I could just go, you know, like a neighborhood bar, you know, which sounds sort of ridiculous, but um, it's kind of nice to have a place within walking distance where you can go try some great beer and maybe watch some terrible college basketball game and, uh, you know, meet a few folks. So anyway, that was the hit to my social scene. Uh, no more, no more party for Pat. <laughs>
which is no big deal. Um, why don't we uh, get into how I get around. I, I do a, a walk every day, and that's sort of how I pick up on the scene and what's going on here in Selwood. Uh, I began walking four, four and a half years ago, and uh, I realized that I just needed to get more exercise. Um, I I wanted to get more exercise. You know, I, I used to be much more active as a kid. Of course, you have PE class or you play sports, and so there's a daily thing that you're doing. So I've had to create that. So I, I walk 3.09 miles, roughly six to seven days a week. Um, I do some inverted push-ups. I do 100 of them, and then I do 200 crunches. And I do this every day. And... Um, Mainly, it just keeps my core looking or feeling good, looking good. I wish my core looked as good as it felt. <laughs> um, but I, I have seen some body transformation. I did, I, I've been doing this for a while. I didn't lose a ton of weight or anything like that, but I did sort of reshape my body. My clothes that I'd worn for years or things I liked didn't fit the same. And uh, also um, realized that, Maybe, you know, they just didn't look as good. Now they now things look different and feel different on me. Um, and that's that's a plus. Uh, the, the one downside is I guess I did lose a little bit of weight. And so I get a lot colder in the winter now. Um, <laughs> I had I had a little more layer of protection there. <laughs> Never even really realized it. But uh, I definitely get a little colder. And I've always been a little cold, um, needed to protect my upper respiratory. It's always been one of my weaknesses. But now uh, I actually get a little chilly, and I don't ever remember uh, being chilly. So, you know, that's one thing. Uh, but, you know, on my walks, I've watched uh, Selwood grow up or change, I guess, is a better way of putting it. Just since I've been here, uh, since 2011, uh, so many apartments and condos have gone up, uh, including one down the street from me, you know, with a couple of luxury penthouses. And most of these places don't have parking or very little parking. Um, I guess the one near me has 85% parking capacity for the residents. So what that means is there's a lot of spillover onto uh, the streets, people parking, and that kind of pushes people further and further uh, away from where they live. I live at the end of a street, essentially a dead end. And as these buildings have encroached on the neighborhood, I've noticed more people parking by my house. Not that that's a, really a big deal, but basically I have the block to myself and my next door neighbor. And now there's a little bit more traffic parking here. And, uh, you know, that's just the way it goes. Um, I wish that Portland had a better solution for it. And I wish there was some other way than just everyone having their car. But until further notice, so we've kind of built the economy in the country for everybody to have a car or to need a car. And uh, yeah, it's good and bad. Uh, maybe a little too much personal freedom with the cars, but you know, we'll uh, we'll figure that out eventually. People will have to adjust, learn how to coexist again. So, you know. The buildings, the buildings are one thing that you see that the, the cars have created the real problem as there's more and more traffic. And as there's more and more traffic, people get more and more reckless or angst driven. They, they take more chances. They, they don't 
they're in too much of a hurry uh, because it's just a little too crowded. It's a one lane, one lane road over the Selwood bridge out of the neighborhood and people just line up for a mile and a half trying to get over it. So on my walks, I encounter these people and some of them don't notice you. Some of them don't care. And so my walks I've, I've, you know, which are fun and I feel good doing it. Uh, I have a little bit of element of fear to it as a, uh, I have my head on a swivel. It still doesn't seem to matter. People will take a risk to drive over, around, in front of a pedestrian because I guess I just can't hurt their car. So they don't have to worry about it or they don't even think about it. And uh, I know sometimes the excuse is, oh, I couldn't see you. But I walk around in Oregon duck gear. So I'm bright green and yellow most of the time, or at least partially and I'm on a sidewalk. I'm, I'm not four buying this down the middle of the street or anything like that. I'm, I'm officially sharing the road by trying to stay out of the way of uh, all the cars. So I am a big fan of autonomous vehicles. I can't wait until that becomes a thing. I uh, don't trust the people that operate these cars. And I, I would like to be able to sort of walk in peace. Um, I don't, want to have to worry about that. I don't want to read about cyclists getting hit here in Portland or kids on their way to school getting hit in the leaf pile. I just don't want to read about that stuff anymore. What, what a what a downer hearing about car news hurting people. Um, just, yeah, just not my thing. Uh, well, you know, one thing I'd like to do here on the show is I am currently watching the 2018 Detroit Grand Prix Race 2. And so we'll be doing little look-ins uh, on the taped IndyCar races just because I love to rewatch the excitement. This race started off with a bang, literally. The executive at Chevrolet, who is the title sponsor for this these two races was in the pace car, a Chevy Camaro. I believe it's a, a special edition. It's 700 plus horsepower. Um, he was leading the uh, he was leading the cars onto the opening lap, a pace lap, when he decided to get a little squirrely and he floored it and smashed the car into the wall, destroying the pace car. And so the race was put on hold. And they're just now getting back in action. Looks like they have a backup pace car with some other dude driving it. But uh, this Chevrolet executive, uh, while he looks to be fine, I'm sure he has a bruised ego right now. Um, quite funny. I've I've only seen this one other time, and it was on a wet course where the pace car crashed. But this, I've never seen it where some sort of celebrity, uh, quote unquote, driver has ruined a car. Um, and I know this guy's probably done this before. They don't just let anybody climb in these things and, and drive the pace car. You actually have to get up to speed uh, to start a race, which means you're doing somewhere on a road course between 80 and, and 150 miles an hour. Um, on an oval, you definitely have to be able to pull off the 150 miles an hour uh, and then exit the track. So, you know, those guys have to know how to operate a vehicle uh, to some extent. Um, and... This guy, obviously, wasn't. this wasn't his day. All right, well, that's enough IndyCar for right now. We'll get back in if I see anything else happen. The race is just beginning. So why don't we get back here to uh, Selwood and walking, and we'll get down to uh, exercise and gear. You know, I uh, when I first started walking, I, of course, was trying to get exercise, and I realized very quickly that I had some of the crappiest gear. Um, I had... Uh, 
makeshift stuff. You know, most of my clothing was comfort, uh, lounge around type stuff, cargo pants, you know, just horrible things like that. And I actually needed, uh, you know, more sweat wicking or uh, slightly tighter fitting clothing to do my, to do my walk on. You can't walk around in like baggy pants and, uh, uh, big sweatshirts, which is normally, normally what I wear. Um, you know, big time fashion aficionado here. Uh, <laughs> but over time I've, I found, uh, you know, a good pair of shoes, these, uh, these walking shoes that I get from Columbia, they're waterproof, which is essential here in Portland. I have, um, uh, waterproof gear for my, my walks when I, I still walk in the downpour. So I have, uh, you know, a waterproof jacket and a waterproof pants that I can pull on. I still sort of wing it and brave it in the cold. Cause, uh, when it's super cold, you can't wear a big jacket walking. Eventually you just get too warm and, it, and I walk in the morning. So it's usually getting warmer as I walk. So I'll go with gloves and a hat and maybe a couple of layers under a sweatshirt. Um, so the cold is still a difficult one, but I've, I've mastered the wet and the, and the warm weather, the warm weather, you just have to go early or else you'll find yourself with a mountain of excuses why you can't go walking or jogging on a hot day. Um, but clothing for hot days is easy. T-shirt, shorts, good pair of shoes, no, no sweat. So it, it just came down to uh, me having to stay committed to it and realizing that the investment in some, some better clothing or gear was, uh, necessary for me to keep enjoying and sort of succeeding at my walk, uh, which is what I wanted, wanted to do. Not, not that you can really fail, but I wanted to reach some sort of level where, um, this was just part of my life. And, uh, and to do that, I had, I needed things like, uh, you know, better clothing, better mindset, um, an established route. Um, you know, these things, these things became important. I, I tried to wing it in the beginning with walking. Uh, like I said, you know, I had makeshift gear, which was fine, but I tried to sort of shortcut my walk and realized you really can't achieve a three mile walk without going three miles. I know that's no mystery, but, uh, I tried, I did try, I tried real hard to not go as far as I needed to go to go the full three. And I know that makes maybe no sense, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> That's, that's uh, part of the fun. It's all been, it's all been a learning experience and, uh, you know, so I, maybe someday I'll step it up and do some real jogging or something. But right now I think I just like not being hurt and, uh, yeah, the routine is enough for me. So why don't we do a little segue here and get into, uh, some, some open wheel racing, uh, as we did in our segue, I'm a huge, uh, IndyCar fan and there's big news coming in IndyCar. They just signed a new title sponsor, NTT data, uh, which is, uh, basically the Verizon of Japan. Uh, they're hoping to come to America with a brand to brand advertising, uh, they, they sell components and power other people's devices as well. They have several locations in the United States now. So this is their big push and it's big for IndyCar because these people write the checks. Uh, also big, big news in IndyCar was uh, the television schedule was released. They, all the races are now with NBC and NBC sports group. And 
the NBC, the Big Boy Network channel, uh, will have eight or nine races, I'm sorry. And one of them is going to be the Grand Prix of Portland, which I'm pretty excited about. I, I went last year and uh, I have already received my tickets for next year. Um, and I'm really excited for it to be on, you know, nationally televised and also global partners. So the more people get to see our awesome city, the better. Uh, last year, the weather was perfect. So hoping, hoping for that again. Uh, also, the Portland Grand Prix had pretty good sponsor money coming in, but no title sponsor or, or presenting sponsor. And I think that will change this year too. I've been hearing rumors of uh, some, either one of the locals stepping up. Last year, the big one was Lamphere uh, Auto Group. They're a big Honda dealer here in town. I think they have seven or eight dealerships that I know of. Um, anyway, they, they're rumored to be one of the ones stepping up, but I think what you're going to see is either a regional company, um, uh, or semi-regional company that w- that would sponsor the event. Aero Electronics, a Canadian company, had been rumored they're they're looking for sort of a home base race. Not that Portland is their home base, but that would give them a place. They they were a huge sponsor too. They had a like a uh, they had a celebrity tent or a big shot tent there. So if you were one of their big wigs, you got to go out in the midfield and hang out in this catered air conditioning uh, sponsor. I guess it was more like a a building. It wasn't a tent. It was like a two story thing with. Uh, you know, waiters and uh, pretty good security, keeping people out and stuff. So, you know, the dignitaries probably had a pretty good time. Um, the other the other news in IndyCar is the Indy 500, which is the penultimate event, the most important event on the schedule. Um, and the big moneymaker has, uh, the it's rumored to have 39 or 40 entries this year. They're guaranteed 33 spots. Um, that's how it works. And if if these car, if enough people show up, they will have, we will have true bump day. And bump day is the last day of qualifying where everybody's lined up and there's a clock ticking, and you basically go out there and give it your best four laps. And if someone and the last guy, the number 33 guy, starts getting bumped as these uh, other drivers start knocking them out of position, so it becomes a mad scramble to get back in line. And as long as you're in line, you're good to go. Um, but you're working on your setup. And so this will be pretty exciting. There will be, you know, six to seven, possibly more guy, more drivers and their sponsors going home. Um, this hasn't really happened in quite a, quite a while. Um, you know, there've been a little bit of bumping one or two cars every couple of years here. And last year was kind of a big deal. There were I think three or four cars bumped, but the big deal was that James Hinchcliffe, who's um, one of the better known drivers and uh, uh, has, has a big sponsor races on one of the top teams, big personality in the, in the sport. Uh, he got bumped and his team, Sam, Sam, Sam Peterson motorsport, they, their setup was lousy and they blew it. So, you know, they, they not only lost out on points, prestige, but their sponsor was pissed. Uh, the, the Indy 500 probably costs each car $2 million for the month of May to run at least for the, for the good teams and the good sponsors. So big bonehead move by Hinchcliffe and his team. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to see that again. Uh, there will probably be one of the more prominent drivers or one of the more prominent sponsors sitting on the outside looking in uh, on this year's Indy 500. 
And I guess that's exciting for the fans. Like it, it can be nerve wracking for the league and the teams, of course, because, uh, well, it's their livelihood. Uh, but such as sport, uh, you have to take a risk every now and then. Now, it looks like uh, as we are talking racing, they're finally getting going on the race two here in Detroit. And it's pretty hectic right now. The cars are bunched up. There's already a couple guys down, a couple laps. It looks like Renee Bender and Spencer Piggott are out. Alexander Rossi is leading. But if memory serves me right, he totally flubs it in one of the break zones here. And Ryan Hunter Ray charges hard, takes the lead, and wins. So, uh, spoiler alert from last year's number two race in Detroit Ryan Hunter Ray wins. <laughs> And he needed to as well, because he was having a pretty crappy season uh, for a top driver, just mainly unlucky. So it was good. It was good for him to to get back on track. Um, well, we're getting near the end of this this show, and it's been about as choppy as I thought. Just um, so some final thoughts here. It's Tuesday, January fifteenth. There's some confirmation hearings on right now um, for a new attorney general. They're trying to make sure he's going to stay out of the way while they try to arrest Trump, uh, our criminal president. Um, it's freezing here in Portland, but uh, the rain is coming again. So, you know, winter's still upon us. I know it feels like since the holiday season's over, I even myself, I'm like, all right, there, here we go, spring. But yeah, it's months away. Uh, so... I'd like to say thanks to all the little people out there, all the listeners, my cat, Hana, who's been staring at me over here for the last uh, 20 minutes or so, wondering what the heck is going on, uh, the fireplace that's keeping me warm, and i uh, also like to thank the podcast kit, which I uh, tried to use today and couldn't really figure out. So we're still back with um, just my headphones and this neat little app. All right. Thanks for listening, guys, and next time we'll try to get into some more uh, diverse topics. All right. Have a good one. Be safe.